Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Tonight's speaker, Dan N., uh, he is someone that I have come to, to know and love, and I'm grateful that God put him in my life about eight years ago to help me learn about surrender and acceptance. And with that, Dan, will you come on up? My name is Dan. I'm a gratefully recovering sexaholic. This is a huge crowd. Um, but it's a loving crowd, and I think that's probably the gift for me. Um, I make notes. One of the things I learned at a, at a meeting, a, a conference a couple of years ago, one of the guys was up here sharing, and he said he had attention deficit disorder, and I, and I heard that, and he had shared a couple of things, and I went home and looked on the Internet, and I started going, check. And what I've learned is my recovery has been one of surrender, and the only way that I can give some kind of a cogent speech is to make notes. The difference is I won't be sitting here reading it, because I've learned to trust that God's in charge. But without these, I can go all over the place. So I had to surrender that part. So that's what we're talking about tonight. I have um, been in this program for 12 and a half years. I've not had to act out with myself for 12 and a half years. It's a miracle of the program. But I also um, was in a relationship about seven years ago. So I have six years of sobriety by the essay definition. And, and that's part of the story for me. I'd like to sort of dedicate uh, my talk tonight to Jess L. Some of you know who he is. Kind, gentle, soft-spoken. Um, <laughs> those of you who are not laughing, um, Jess... Um, had a few opinions that he would be willing to share with you if you asked or didn't ask, okay? But when I got in this relationship, I called Jess up on the phone and I said, Jess, this is where I am, this is what's going on. And for those of you who do know Jess, he knows how to listen. He also knows how to speak, but he knows how to listen to what you're saying. And he listened to what I was telling him, and he gave me an answer I wasn't really expecting, but what I needed to hear. He says, it sounds like you're exactly where you need to be at the moment. Okay, so I want to sort of share that with you tonight. You may not feel that way, but you're right where you need to be at the moment. And if you hear that to begin with, maybe the rest of this might help. Okay, this is my story. I don't speak for SA. Okay, I never will, never could, never want to. Um, you'll you'll be happy to know I'm not your higher power. Okay, <laughs> I'm happy to know I'm not my higher power. Okay, and that's the gift of the program for me. It took me a long time, okay? Um, I just turned 57. I know I don't look quite that old, or sometimes I look older. But, okay? I'm powerless over my hairline. Um, powerless over my waist, okay? I wore this suit because nobody in the meeting has ever seen me in a suit before. Okay? That's the gift of recovery, okay? I'm willing to, to do whatever it takes, okay? I, I want to start out with surrender as a decision, Okay, um, we keep talking about it, 
And and where did it come from and why do we do this? And, and some of you have heard this. Um, it's in the essay white book on page 206 and the big book on page 58. Some of us, actually almost all of us, had tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil, zip, negative, zero, detrimental, painful, until we let go absolutely. But how many of us still held on? Okay. I did. I thought that what I was doing was going to work, and, and we've been talking about the fact that changing seats on the Titanic is not going to qualify. Okay. doesn't matter what I get into, something's not going to work, and I'm still going to go down with it if, if I don't do something different. Well, the only thing I knew how to do was what I had done all my life. And believe it or not, it never worked. Like, I don't know why. It just never worked. Okay. So, what am I letting go of? Okay. I'm letting go of several things. The first one is playing God. Okay. The second one is resentments. And the third one is fears. Okay. For those of you who have worked your fourth step, you know that some of that is in there. Okay. We also let go of our sexual problems, but, you know, that that's another part of the story. Okay. Um, I heard in one of the first essay conferences I went to, which was in Salt Lake City in August of 89, somebody was talking about a three-legged stool. I believe it was Harvey. I've forgotten now, but it's been a while. My memory's not what it used to be either. Um, he was talking about God, the fellowship, and recovery, working the program. Okay. The topic tonight is absolute surrender, a new beginning in recovery. Well, what if we've been in these meetings for a lot of years and it's still not working the way we think it ought to work? How many of you have gotten to that place where you, you've surrendered the fact that it's not working the way you want it to work? Okay. That was the first step that I had to do. Okay. The program was not working the way I thought it ought to work. So it, it dawned on me that maybe what I needed to do was let go of my way of working it and ask God what his plan was. I know it's a strange concept, but it was the only thing that I could come up with that was different than what I'd been doing for all those years. And that's what I had to do. I had to give God permission to be in charge. Well, that was sort of surrender. Okay. Well, what is surrender? Um, the definition is to yield something to the possession or power of another. Deliver up possession of something upon demand or compulsion. Okay. To give oneself up especially as a prisoner. There's a difference, though. When I think of a prisoner, I think of, I give up. That's not what this program is for me. This program is one of giving in. It's surrendering. Okay, I've quit a thousand times. Anybody else here? Okay, That's giving up. Okay, But I never gave in to a power that was greater than myself. I was still trying to control the addiction. And it, it didn't work. I don't know why it didn't work. But I wasn't my own higher power. Step two says that God will restore me to sanity, which is expressed in step three as, if I give him permission to. How many of you made a decision to turn your will and your life over to God, as you understand it, but um, it was just a decision in your mind and you never actually did it? Okay. Somebody explained it this way. I made a decision to drive to New York. I'm still standing here. Okay. Making the decision, going out to my truck, jumping in and turning on the key and heading for New York, 
is the making the decision in concrete and putting some action to it. So it's more than just thinking. The first two steps I've been told are awareness steps. The third step is the first part of the action step where I have to do something. And so are the rest of them. I mean, that's what I've been taught in this program. Okay. Well, what have I had to give him permission to change? Well, my story, and I don't dwell on where I came from, the people in my meeting, most of them have never even heard all of this list because I don't share much of it anymore. I share where I am in the program and what God's doing for me at the moment. But just so you know, I'm a sexual. I had to write this down because I don't remember anymore. And I don't know if that's the gift or the curse. Okay. But what I do know is I don't have to act out on any of these things anymore. And that's the gift for me in the program. Okay. Lust used to be my God. Masturbation, sex with self, pornography, fantasy, bestiality, voyeurism, sex with others inside or outside of marriage, which is um, adultery or fornication, is from my understanding. Um, I came very close to molesting a stepdaughter at one time. Okay. Very, very close. I think the only thing that stopped me was God, but I didn't know that exactly at the time. But I, I know that I was scared and that's not where I wanted to be. But there was a price to pay. For those of you who are, are in Essanon or married to, to some person like me, um, you know, I can ask you to forgive me and forgive those of us who have done those things to you because at that particular point in time we were absolutely powerless and couldn't stop doing what we were doing. Some of us still can't. Okay? But we've hurt you. Not intentionally, but we've done it because of our acting out, because of our fear, because of our pride, because of our anger, because of lust. It doesn't matter what the reason was. We've been the cause of pain to some of you. Okay? Well, surrender prayer tells me I can't change that. I wish I could take it away from everybody that I've hurt. And the truth of the matter is I can't take it away from anybody. I'm absolutely powerless. And I've had to absolutely surrender the fact that I cannot fix or heal anybody that I've hurt with all of my acting. Not a single person. And you know what? What I found out is I, I've never been able to heal me from it either. But I've been able to take me and the problems back to my fellowship, back to my sponsor, back to other people in the program and, and call up and say, hey, I'm having a real problem with this. You know, what do I do? And I've always gotten an answer. The program works when I let go and I quit trying to make something happen and I surrendered to a power greater than myself. And that's been my key. What things do you need to surrender? I'll tell you what I have had to surrender. And this is over years. This is not all of it. This is just some of the key points. I've had to surrender family members who died before I got in recovery, which could have been part of my amends, and I've had to take that back and do that with God. Um, my, my father and my mother had a younger adopted sister who died in a car accident. We all have different stories of things that we did that hurt people, and we can't go back and make amends. So what do we do? The only thing I know how to do is surrender that to God. Unequivocally, I have no way to, to fix it. I can't restore anybody else to sanity. can't even restore myself. That's part of my disease. Okay, But the problem that I found is I'm powerless over surrender. Anybody else? I want to do what's right. I tell my, my, my people in my fellowship I want to do what's right, and I head right back out to what I was doing before, and I'm going... What's gone wrong? We were sharing earlier. The, what was going wrong was I was still trying to make it happen. I was trying to get God to fix me in my agenda by my design and try and say, well, if you do it this way, God, this is what's going to happen. It'll take care of me. It'll take care of... 
Absolute surrender. Okay. God, what is your will? What do you want for me? When do you want to heal me? When do you want me to let go of this? Okay. That's step one. I am powerless over my ability to let go of the things I know in my mind that I need to let go of. Okay. I could tell you a hundred things that I've needed to let go of for the last five years. And it's like, the only thing I can do is I can tell you that I've needed to let go of them. And until God gives me the power to do that, I cannot do that because I'm no longer my higher power. And no longer yours. I don't need to tell you what you need to do. Not that I didn't try that early on in recovery, but for some reason it never worked. None of you would listen to me. Some of you still don't. Oh. Okay. I was praying about what, what I needed to share here, and, and I felt like God told me that two people needed to hear what I was sharing tonight. There's at least one of you and me. Okay? At least one of you and me. I need to hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. Because what I'm doing is I'm verbalizing the fact that I am powerless and I cannot do this, and the only recourse I have is absolute surrender, unequivocally, no questions asked, in everything that's going on. I was married for 17 years in a 19-year relationship. Okay, I got into recovery 13 and a half years ago in another program. Four months later, my wife filed for divorce. Okay, If she would have done it six months earlier, I would have been utterly devastated. But what I had learned in the first four months was to turn my will and my life over to the care of God and to surrender and to admit that I was powerless over myself, over my wife, and over the relationship. I gave God permission to be in charge of it. I just one day, I just said, I don't know what you need to do. Here I am. Here, here's my wife. You know, here's the relationship. Do whatever you need to do. And a brief period of time after that, I was out the door. Okay? The reason was because I had started to change. And I was making life at the house uncomfortable. Okay? But that was my first step of absolute surrender, is I had to let go of any chance that there was a relationship that was ever going to work through. Okay. I've been on my own now for 13 years. Okay. That's my recovery. I've been at SA for 12 and a half years. About six months after I got into SA, I went to my first conference. That was January of 89 in Salt Lake. And in that process, I realized God started showing me that as a kid I'd been molested. But if you would have asked me before that, I didn't have a clue. I was no, nobody ever did anything to me. I'm fine. Okay? And I thought I was. But the external used to hide out. And I shared it at an earlier meeting. My first conference that I went to, I would go to the sessions and then I would go right back to my room and hide out. I couldn't talk to people. I couldn't carry on a two-minute conversation with you if you talked for a minute and a half. The guys in the meeting, the guys in the meeting laugh because it's hard for me to shut up today. Okay? And it's not because of what I've done, it's because of what God's done in my life to let, help me let go of those things that were hindrances to me that I didn't know what to do with. I wanted to, but nothing seemed to work. I didn't know why it didn't work, but I kept fighting and struggling it, and all I did, I seemed to crawl deeper into the morass. Okay? I hid out. My greatest character defect is fear. Okay? And somebody asked me at the table, I said, how do you feel? I said, I feel absolutely good, great tonight. This is the first time I can remember ever talking before anybody 
that I didn't have that knot in my stomach first. And when I came up, I prayed, and I talked anyway. I said, I'm, a, I'm feeling fear. And I talked anyway. Okay? Because that's what the program has taught me how to do. You walk through the fear. You don't walk away from it. And ignore it. Okay. Um, so I let go of this long-term marriage. Um, in the process of doing that, I let go of finances because I walked out of the house with um, some clothes on my back, a truck with a camper shell, and practically nothing else. Okay. I'm powerless over my finances. I had to absolutely surrender. For several months, I was living on $15 over and above the cost of my bills. How did God get me through it? I could not tell you. But I'm here to tell you I had to let go of it, and God came through. I don't know how he did it. He didn't tell me. He just took care of me. Okay. And what I learned was he's willing to take care of me every single day, and all I have to do is ask him to. Just say, you know, I'm having a struggle with this. What am I supposed to do? And just let go of it. You know, somebody said you can turn it over, but if you don't let go, you still got it. (laughs) They also said you can let go. I mean, you you know, you can let go, but if you don't turn it over, you still got it. Okay. It requires both. I have to surrender it completely to God. And that's what I had to do with my addiction. I had to go, you know, God, um, I'm having a struggle with this. And he said, yes. What do you want to do with it? Uh, I don't want it anymore. I'd like you to take it away. Well, that was another fear for me. If God took away everything from me that I didn't like, there would have been nothing left. Okay. So what I've learned to do in the third step prayer is I say, God, transform my difficulties. Okay. God takes what I saw as a problem, pulls it out of the electric socket, turns it over and plugs it right back in, and instead of my power, I'm using his power. And the exact thing that was a problem to me has now become the power to be able to walk through it. The situation has never changed. The only thing that I can tell you that's changed is my attitude about what I need to do with it. Okay. I am powerless. I have to surrender everything 100% of the time, unconditionally, no reservations. Okay? We get there because we practice. As somebody said in one of our other meetings, we practice, practice, practice. How many of you know that sometimes we've fallen down when we've practiced? Okay? And I came to the realization, well, if I fall flat on my face, at least I'm still going forward. If I fall on my backside, at least I'm still looking up. I'm not looking into the pit. I'm not going, God, what happened? You know, I did all this wrong. My attitude has totally changed because I've had to ask God, what do I do with this? And he's had to give me that answer. Okay, I walked out of a 17-year marriage and I had absolutely no emotion. I was emotionally dead. Any any of you... uh, Women live with something like that? Okay. I'm sorry. That, that's painful. Okay. But the truth of the matter is, I didn't know what a relationship was about. I didn't know how to have one. And I had absolutely no feelings whatsoever. Okay. That's pretty terrible to say after living with somebody for 19 years. Okay. Had absolutely nothing to give. Absolutely nothing. So the only thing I could do is surrender and say, God, what do I do with this? And where do I go with this? And, 
You know, how do you fill in all these pieces? Um, I've had a relationship with God for 30 years as a Christian, and it never worked. Just some of you understand it didn't work, and I couldn't understand why it didn't work. But I can tell you the reason it didn't work, because I kept trying this God and me relationship, this vertical relationship. And the reason was, you, people like you, had hurt me. And I wasn't going to let you hurt me again. So what I did was I kept you at arm's length. I wouldn't let you in. Well, I also kept your love away. So I had to surrender to God my unwillingness to have enter into relationships with people. That was my fear. That was my greatest character defect, fear. Okay. Because God's loved me into existence, I love each and every person in this fellowship, in this room today. There's nobody here that I have an issue with. And I'll go even so far as to say I pray for everybody and I say every single morning. Every single morning. Okay. So whether you know it or not, I'm praying for you. Stop and think about, this is sort of a, a detour, but stop and think about, there's 500 people or so in this room. If I pray for me, i got one person praying for me. If we pray for each other, we got 500 people praying for each other. How, how much stronger do you think that prayer is when we start praying for each other instead of focusing on our own self? Okay. Take surrender to get to that place of looking outside and being willing to help somebody other than myself instead of focusing on, where am I? What am I doing? Why isn't this working? Okay. I know nobody else has those kind of thoughts going on in their mind, but I had those going on all the time. If it wasn't lust, then I was into worry. Okay. Worry has to do with tomorrow. Guilt and shame has to do with yesterday. And what the program has taught me is I have to live one day at a time. And it isn't in either one of those two. It's today. So when I have a problem today where I'm having trouble with surrendering something, I can, I can go back to God and say, you know, when I was 20 years old, this is what happened and somebody stepped on my toes and I never dealt with it. And I'm holding on to this anger, this fear, this resentment. And it's blocking me from moving on from where I am today. So I give God permission to go back and heal that. But he doesn't go back to when I was 20 years old. He heals it right now and says, okay, now move on. Because okay. I've had to let go. I've had to surrender any resentment that I have against any single individual. I can't afford to hold on to them. They're too expensive. They're also too heavy. Okay. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I'm also a compulsive reader, which you couldn't tell by looking at me. Okay? But I'm addicted to sugar like an alcoholic is to alcohol. There's not enough cake in this room to have satisfied me. <laughs> I am powerless over cake. And donuts. And cookies. And candy. Okay? I was off of it for two and a half years because of a prayer fellowship that I was in. Um, uh, I fell in, into lust for cake uh, on, on, a, on a weekend that I was at, and I had, a, I can tell you exactly what it was, I won't, but i tell you what color bowl it was in. Um, tell you what size it was. Um, and I had, a, I had a piece of dessert, and they said, go ahead and eat it, it won't hurt you. And I didn't realize what was going to happen. And I was right back on the sugar like I'd never been off of it. And I had the presence of mind to say, God, you took it away from me once. I'm going to have to wait for you to take it away again. I don't know when you're going to do it or how you're going to do it, but I can't do it. Six months later, I walked into my first OA meeting. 
And God removed the compulsion to eat sugar from that day on. Okay? I'll stand here and tell you in about two weeks that will be 16 years of not eating candy, cake, cookies, ice cream, or any form of recreational sugar. Okay? But not because I stopped eating it, but because I couldn't stop eating it. And I had to go back to God and say, I am powerless, and I need help. I cannot do this. And I had to surrender sugar. Well, that's just a piece of my life. Okay? okay. The, what the step says is that I'm powerless over lust, and my life has become unmanageable. And we get stopped on, I'm having a problem with lust. You know? I'm having a problem with lust. Did you know? Lust is in my life. I can't stop lusting. Okay? But my life is unmanageable. Okay. I've shared with you about my marriage relationship. I've shared with you about my finances. I've shared with you about sugar. Okay. Um, I have attention deficit disorder and I fall asleep at the office. Do you know I am powerless over falling asleep? Ask the guys in my meeting. Okay. I was joking about the suit. Most of them have never seen me with shoes on because I go to the meeting and I take my shoes off and have to. Enjoy the meeting. Okay? I'm, I'm powerless over all these things. Since about last August, I've had constant pain in my hands. Do you know I'm powerless over the pain in my hands? I can't make it go away. I've tried everything I could and I still have not been able to make it go away. I've had to surrender pain in my hand to God and say, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to take it away or do you want to leave it? And what I can tell you today is he's chosen to leave it. Okay? That's acceptance. Okay? But I got into this discussion once with God a number of years ago and I said, I don't like what you're doing. And he said, you don't have to like it. You have to accept it. <laughs> okay? Any of you sexaholics have not accepted the fact that you're a sexaholic? You don't like it. I didn't like being a sexaholic. Today, anybody in my meeting will tell you I'm very grateful to be a sexaholic because I could, would not have a relationship with God that I do. I would not have a relationship with you that I do. And I actually have some friends in this room. Two of you, at least. <laughs> okay. I never had any before. And how did I acquire friends? I had to surrender the fact that I didn't have any friends. I didn't know how to acquire one. I've actually been cracking jokes and, and I, some of the guys in my meeting have heard, I, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even crack a smile up here years ago. I, you know, I was serious. I mean, this is a serious program. Okay? You know, our early meetings 12 years ago, you could cut the intensity with a knife because we were hanging on for, for dear life. You know, there was practically no sobriety and, and we were afraid somebody else slipped, it would, it would fall on us, you know? Powerless. I'm powerless over another sexaholic. Just, I mean, this is just wonderful. Okay. Um, this is sort of the, the best part for me. I got in a relationship, a brief one, about nine years ago. We went out for about six months. I bailed out. Didn't tell her what I was doing, why I left. Nothing. Last Christmas time. We reconnected. 
And I called her up at the beginning of the year, last year, and I said, would you like to go out? And she said, why? <laughs> Some of you women understand, don't you? <laughs> why? And I shared with her what I had done and what happened. And I said, I didn't want to end up in your bedroom, so I bailed out. Okay. And she understood, because she knew that I was a sexaholic, because I shared that with her when, when we had met before. I didn't go into any detail. Okay. Part of recovery for me is because I've let go of everything absolutely. I mean everything. I cannot afford to hang on to anything that's an obstacle to my relationship with God or my relationship with you. 28 days from now, I'm getting married. I hope for some of you men that that gives you a, a semblance of hope. Okay? And for those women who have been hurt by people like us, that that would even give you a sense of hope. Okay? I can't fix or change anybody else in this room. I wish I could. I wish I could just, you know, say a prayer and everybody being healed and we go out there. But you know, we, if everybody was, was healed, none of us would be in this meeting. You know? There would be no essay. You know? And, and this fellowship has been life for me. It's, it's, it's been the group of guys that I fellowship with for the twelve and a half years. I'm the senior SA person in San Diego. Everybody that came into the program before me has left. Everybody. I've been there twelve and a half years. The program started about fourteen years ago. Everybody else has left. One other person has been there about nine months after I got there, and nobody else is around. You look around this meeting, and there's going to be a lot of people here who will not be at the next conference or the next meeting that you go to. They're going to bail out. The rate of people staying in this program is, is, is horrendously low. Okay? I think the reason is we try and fix ourselves, and we can't, and we think it's hopeless and useless, and we don't know what else to do, so we leave. Being out there didn't work for us, but we would go back out and try again and again and again. You know, our definition of insanity, trying the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Okay? Didn't work the first time, didn't work the thousandth time, but I'm going to keep trying it again. And what I know today is, I can't do that. If I hit a block wall, instead of trying to get there and go... You know, I'm going to keep hitting my head against this block wall until it falls down. You know? Okay? I got tired of the headache. Okay? And I started saying, you know, God, if, if this is a wall and I can't get through it, where's the door? And I started asking him to show me where the door was. So I could walk down the hallway this way or that way, and I'd find another way of getting out of my dilemma. And sometimes somebody had to call me on the phone and say, Dan, I'm having a problem. And I'm going, thank you, God, because I needed to talk to somebody and I didn't have the courage to call somebody else up and say, I was struggling with something. But I'll tell you one thing, because I've turned my will in my life and my telephone over to the care of God as I understand him. Okay, I know that it's a spiritual program. When somebody calls me, I need to hear somebody on the other line for my benefit. It's not for them. They may think it's for them, but it's for me. 
Every single phone call has been for my benefit. Today I call other people. That's 12 and a half years in the program. I got a, I got a cell phone, okay? And because of the attention deficit, I'd be driving down the road and say, well, I need to call Dale, and I'd get home and I'd forget that I was supposed to call. Well, now if that happens, I'd pick up my cell phone and I'd say, hi, Dale, how are you? What's going on? Okay. Spiritual program. That's the only way out for me. Um, in my relationship with my fiance, I have no awareness of whether or not I am sexually functional or not because I have not been in a situation, praise God, in this relationship to find that out. And I've shared that with my fiancé. Now, don't answer, but what would some of you women do if you were in a relationship with, with your husband and he said, uh, sorry, I can't have any sex with you? That's absolute surrender for me. And I shared that with her and I said, I don't know what's going to happen. And she said, you know what? You've been working a program for 12 and a half years trying to stop lusting and stop acting out, and you're not doing that. And the marriage is a couple months down the road. This is the one we're talking about. And she said, I love you and support you no matter what, and we have a program to work through that if that's necessary. Okay. Do you know how much freedom that is for me? Okay. Some of your husbands, some of your wives may need to hear that same kind of a thing. Because we've gone through this process of trying to control the other person in our relationship and trying to say, well, if they'll only do something, I'll be okay. okay. Absolute surrender. I can't control myself. I can't control my fiancé. I can't control God and say, fix me. Okay. I am absolutely powerless over my life, and I've had to turn it over to God. What's going to happen? I don't know, because I'm not to 28 days from now. God knows. Okay. And he knows how to get me through wherever I am. That is absolute surrender. I don't know where we're going to be. But I know who does. So I continue to ask him on a daily basis. I roll out of bed onto my knees every single morning. And I say this prayer. Um, I figure from my knees the only place from there is up. Okay, I, I can't go any lower than that. And I figure God knows what he's doing. In, in my morning prayer, which I've done every single morning for years now, Father, I turn my will and my life over to your care today as I understand you, praying only for knowledge of your will for me and the power to carry that out. Steps 3 and 11. And then I add one thing. Thank you, Father, for where I am in you at the moment. Okay? Any of you who have tried to control and enjoy your lusting, You've tried to control and enjoy your spouse. You try and fix the some kind of a problem that's going up and it's not worked for you. What I know today is if I give God permission, then I have to also give him permission to be in charge of the timing. 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 Okay? God is a spiritual being. He's not in time. So when he says, okay, just a minute, don't worry about it. <laughs> My big, big book tells me that, that uh, a year, um, a watch in the night is like a thousand years. And I said, oh no. Okay. But I can stand here today and tell you that God's done some miraculous things in my life. I don't know how he did them, but I know that I had to let go in order for them to happen. That's the only way they worked. I want to close with this. You've heard this a thousand times. 
hundred times, ten times, many, too many times. My favorite reading, and the guys in the meeting are tired of hearing me say this, page 449 of the big book. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Okay? It doesn't say some of them. It doesn't say occasionally. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say yesterday. It doesn't say tomorrow. It says all of my problems today. Every single one. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at the moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Happens in my world by mistake, but doesn't happen in God's world by mistake. Until I accept my sexaholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in you. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. What needs to be changed in me and in my attitude? Okay? It's not the externals. It's not the sexaholism. It's what's going on in me, my fear, my resentment, my sexual issues, the harms that I've done to others. It's all about what's going on inside of me. And every time I point the finger at you, I'm not going to get healed. Okay? All of you are welcome to take my inventory. Okay? If you don't like what I shared tonight, that's okay. But I tell the guys in the meeting, I said, now that you've done that, what are you going to do with it? Okay? I take my own inventory. Okay? And you're welcome to share with me something that you don't like. And I can take that back to God and say, is that mine? Is that theirs? Whose is it? Where did it come from? What do I need to do about it? I don't have to deal with it. Okay? I have to ask him what he wants. My fourth step, he's in charge of my life. Okay? I'm not. But I want to, I want to read this part too, because this is on page 452, and it follows after acceptance, and I, I don't, I've got it underlined in my book, but I don't know when God put it there. Because I don't remember reading this. Okay? He does that to me all the time. Maybe does that to some of you. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for Him to tell me what to do. Okay? How many of you said, God, take away this addiction for me? God, take away this addiction. God, I'm struggling with this sexaholism. You know, how? Take it away. I, I can't deal with it. Okay? I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to him. However it turns out, that's God's will for me. Okay? I don't know what God's will is for you today. Okay? He's brought you to this conference. He obviously wanted you to hear me. I don't know what I've said that can be a benefit. I don't need to know what I've said that can be a benefit. Maybe I don't want to know what what will be better. My ego would get so big, and I say, "Hey, I did a really good job." I don't, you know, I don't want to know. Okay, I, I want to be of service to this body, to this fellowship, who's given so much to me. Okay, and all I want to do is give it back. Okay, 
people like Harvey and Jess, you know, and there are a lot of others that are sitting out here that I've met at conferences around the world, around the, around the United States. Okay. None of what I have is mine. Okay. I'll give it to you freely. Everything I have. Okay. Because I've had to get to that place of surrender that nothing is worth hanging on to because then I'm trying to control it again. Once more, I'm trying to control it. I don't want to control it. I don't want to control you. I don't want to control me. I can't control God. Not that I haven't tried. But I don't want to today. I'm powerless over God. I'm powerless over lust. I'm powerless over sexaholism. I'm powerless over my marriages. I'm powerless over my relationships. I'm powerless over you. And, um, and, and what I know is, is that God loves me unconditionally today, whether I do something good or whether I do something bad. And I choose not to do something bad today, and by His grace, I haven't had to for a lot of years. I'd like to keep work, walking on this journey. I'd like to walk with you, because some of you need to walk with me. Okay? I'm not alone anymore, neither are you, and the addiction works in and of itself. I don't need anybody else when I'm in the addiction. So my prayer for all of you is that all of you have more sobriety than I do. That I catch up. That if you need to forgive somebody, that you do it. If you need to surrender something in your life, that you give God permission. And then ask Him when He wants to do something, not tell Him. Okay. Because what I'll tell you is, what I walked up here with, and what I, what I want to pass on to you is, I have peace in my life today. And you can't take it away. I won't give it away. I'm not willing to surrender that. I'm willing to surrender anything that gets in its way, but I'm not willing to surrender the serenity that God, given, that God has given me from walking through this program and working these steps and being in fellowship with all of you. So thanks for letting me share. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.